Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Balance Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into today's Balanced Black Girl podcast episode. Y'all, for a second there, I almost forgot the name of my own podcast. <laughs> it had to come to me. This podcast is called Balanced Black Girl. Less you created it. Remember that. Um, I am your host, Les, and I'm just stoked to be here with you. As always, thank you for spending a little bit of time with me. I don't take it for granted that you tune in and have my voice and the voices of my guests here in your ear every week. So thank you. Today's episode is a really, really special one because it's a little bit of a homecoming. We have the return of our first ever guest. Chrissy King. Chrissy King is a writer, speaker, strength coach, and educator with a passion for creating a diverse and inclusive wellness industry. She empowers individuals to stop shrinking, start taking up space, and use their energy to create their specific magic in the world. So Chrissy was the very first guest on Balanced Black Girl, which we talk about a little bit in this interview, and I was so excited to have her back on the show. We don't really do, you know, repeat <laughs> guests as as much. Um but having Chrissy here was such a treat because I've also had the pleasure of knowing Chrissy for the last several years and getting to call her a friend and just seeing some of the beautiful ways that her life has unfolded. When I was thinking about episodes and conversations around dreams and going after dreams and actually achieving them and having them come true, I knew that it was the perfect time for Chrissy to come back because I've seen her do this in real time over the past three years since our last conversation on the podcast. And so we get to talk about that. We get to talk about what she's been up to over the past three years and the different ways that her life has changed. And there have been ups, there have been downs, and she is super vulnerable and shares all of it with us. 
We also talk a bit about body liberation because feeling at home and liberated in our bodies is a really important aspect of taking our power back. And so much of Chrissy's work is really rooted in body liberation for all. So couldn't have her on the podcast without making sure we talked about that. I know you will love this episode. If you haven't listened to the old episode, maybe do it. It's, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun listen. I mean, it's, it was my very first interview here. So, you know, it sounds a little bit different. Don't hold maybe the interview quality or sound quality against me. Chrissy is amazing in both. So it could be fun to give that one, you know, a listen for a little, little throwback, but Huge thanks to Chrissy for coming on the show today, and I know you're really going to enjoy this inspiring catch-up with her, so let's get into it. Chrissy, welcome back. You are not only our first guest ever at Balanced Black Girl, but you're our first repeat guest. I've never had someone interview and then come back for another interview. I am feeling twice as honored now. I was so excited. I remember as you just reminded me that it was three years ago, which blows my mind, but I was so excited to be your first guest. That was like so cool. And so I'm honored to be like your first repeat guest as well. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You are such a big part of the balanced black girl origin story. I think you were also one of the first few people that I even told about it because I didn't, I didn't tell people that it was coming. I didn't announce it till I released it basically. Um, and so I know when I reached out to you to interview you and set that up, I was like, by the way, I'm creating this thing. Will you be a part of it? So you're truly just a part of the the foundation here. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. I have goosebumps. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you, first of all, if you haven't listened to Chrissy's original interview on the podcast, I think you should, we'll have it linked in the show notes. Caveat that was truly my first time ever interviewing a person. So, you know, it's not going to sound, <laughs> it's not going to sound like it sounds now, but we just had such a great conversation there and it really, really set the tone for the podcast in a really beautiful way. However, a lot has happened in the past three years. I mean, on a global scale, but also on a personal scale, I think we're both just in such different places than we were three years ago. So how are you feeling today? What's going on in Chrissy's world now? I mean, honestly, again, when you reminded me of, I was like a whole different person three years ago. Like honestly, so much has, it's actually incredible to think about how much has changed in the last three years. And it's all been really positive, but also like really hard in a lot of ways. Um, So it's interesting, right? We did this interview in like October of 2018 and in 2019, in January, um, I decided to leave my my long-term relationship. I was married. So we decided to separate after like almost 11 years. Um, and then two weeks later, my dad unexpectedly and tragically passed away. And then later in 2019, I moved to Brooklyn. So I, so much has changed in these three years. Um, it's really wild when I sit back and think about how much different my life is now than it was when we did that interview. Yeah. And especially to have so many of those big events in a short span of time. I mean, 2019 was really the catalyst for so much change for you in so Absolutely. many ways. When you were experiencing those things, I mean, that's a lot of highs and lows in in one year and in one stretch of time where you have 
grief of your father of a relationship. And then you have this high of like moving to a city and starting a new life that feels more aligned to who you are. How did it feel navigating those, those highs and lows kind of all at once? Um, honestly, it was really hard. And now that I'm thinking about this again, I'm also starting therapy next week, which is obviously very needed, but it's just like, when I think about the timeline and then in 2020, we had the pandemic start, like so Mm -hmm. much has happened. And I actually think that I think a lot of it, I, I processed it as much as I could, but also I was like, well, I have to keep things moving because there was a lot happening in my life and career wise. And again, moving to a new city, which was like way more expensive. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Milwaukee. And so moving to a place where things are way more expensive and navigating a new city and like career changes, I think I just like, I did my best to process it and also keep it moving. And so I think now like deciding to finally go to therapy, which I know is something I've needed to do for a long time, but it's one of those things I've just like kept putting off and I find them like, I cannot put this off anymore. So I'm excited about that. And also I'm like, wow, there's going to be so much things that I think, you know, are going to come up from the past few years. And yeah, like grief is one of those things that happens in waves, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I remember like the first four or five months after my dad passed away were really, really hard, obviously. Um, But I I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't think about that still. And so some days are harder than others. Um, And, and even like with my ex, like we had a wonderful relationship. We ended on the most platonic of terms possible. We are still really great friends. I speak to him all the time. Um, And so I don't even have like a traumatic story to accompany that. However, it's still leaving a person that I was with for like 14 years of my life from like the time I was 19 to like 32 or 33. So it's still like big changes to go through. Um, and so, yeah, there's still a, I mean, I'm so grateful. And again, I'm sure we'll talk more about this. Like so many positive things have happened for me in the last three years as well, that I am like every single day, super grateful. And I think also it's always allowing space for the fact that I can be super grateful for everything that I have and also be processing this grief from the things that weren't so great. Right. And it can be a both and scenario. Mm, I love that you said that because both things can absolutely exist. All of the things and, you know, good, bad, and everything in between all at once. Yeah. And I think we forget that sometimes. And I think one of the things that I have struggled with, I think, especially in 2020, because I had like a really great year professionally in 2020, probably like the best of my adult life, which says a lot for a lot of reasons, but I think that was like a particularly like difficult time to be like celebrating for like really great things happening when you see so many really negative things around you and people who are really suffering and like losing their jobs and losing losing their livelihoods. And so I think that's been one of the lessons as well is like we can hold space for both. We can be really grateful and still have compassion and empathy for the fact that everybody's experience is not going as well as yours for lots of reasons that are very valid. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to touch back on the, the therapy point as well, because I'm so proud of you for, for doing that and for going and taking that step. And I also think I'm so grateful that conversations around therapy and mental health are far more prevalent. Now we're seeing that stigma slowly shift. I would not be so bold as to say that it's gone because that's not the case, but I also do think that there's there's space for also making sure that we do it when we're ready. Like therapy is an incredible tool and sometimes it takes time to be ready to, to take that step and to go into that. And so I think, I don't think it's like, I don't know, something that you should have done earlier or whatever. I think it's beautiful that you're doing it when 
it feels like it's time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, again, I think if you have the privilege to be able to access therapy, that's awesome. And also therapy forces you to look at a lot of things that can be really challenging to face sometimes. And I do think you need to be ready to actually deal with it, right? You Mm -hmm. uncover a lot of traumas that you've locked away in boxes, probably. I know there's a lot of traumas that I've locked away in boxes, right? For no other reason than I need to be able to continue moving on. And that seemed like the best coping mechanism at the time. And so you're definitely opening up a lot of things and like examining a lot of things all the way back to like childhood traumas, right? And all of those things are really hard to face. Um, And so I do think it has to be when you're ready and you feel like you have the capacity to be able to actually walk through that process because um, it's great. And I think it's a wonderful tool, but there's also a reason that it's hard to face. It's really challenging sometimes to deal with that stuff. And I think we don't talk about that enough. Like, yes, the, the end result of therapy is like, hopefully you work through a lot of things, but also it's really messy in the middle and it can be really challenging. Oh, for sure. It's so much of the work with therapy happens when you're actually not because that 50 minutes you get every week is going to open up a whole bunch of stuff that you're then still thinking about and carrying around after that 50 minutes ends and allowing yourself the the space and, and compassion to, to navigate that is super important. I agree. It is. Yeah. Unless, unless you go to therapy and lie, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of, I'm rewatching insecure right now. Oh and my gosh. I'm, yes. I'm me seeing too. The old episodes of, with Molly, not telling yes. her therapist the truth. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> I'm like therapy only helps if you tell the truth, right? That's so important though. You have to tell the, your therapist, the honest truth. Otherwise it's not going to be too beneficial for you. No, it's going to be a real expensive coffee date. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is the best description. A real expensive coffee day. Yes, that is it. (laughs) So I would also like to talk to you a little bit about your life in New York. I mean, we've, we've touched on it a little bit. You are from the Midwest and you decided to move to a new city. That's an entirely different world. You've been there for two years now, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And what has that experience been like for you going to a, a new city and kind of starting over in that way? Um, it's been amazing actually. And so I'm, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin, from Milwaukee, born and raised there, went to college there. And so I had lived there my whole entire life. Um, and when I decided to move to Brooklyn, it was for a combination of reasons. I think it was, again, like I had, you know, left my partner or my partner and I had separated. I didn't leave him. We separated. Um, my dad had passed away. I was feeling like really stagnant, I think. And I was just like, all of this is such a reminder of so many things. I don't, I wouldn't say I was running from it, but I was definitely like, I just need a new space to be in. I need a new city, I need a new space, I need new experiences. Again, I had never lived outside of my hometown. Um, and I had a really close friend here um, and I'd come to visit her sometime and I was like, wow, Brooklyn would be like a cool place to live. And so I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to do it and try it and see what happens. And I always was like, worst case scenario, I can just go back to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not going to go anywhere. I was working remotely at the time. I wasn't going to have to like find a new job or anything. So I was just like, let's just see what happens. Um, and like circumstances led to me being able to move in with someone that um, I had kind of just like roughly met that ended up being a complete disaster. I lasted five days and ended up with on crutches because of an unfortunate scenario that happened at the house. It was a very traumatic first uh, week. However, (laughs) I stuck it out. 
and I found a new roommate who has become one of my really good friends. And I lived with her until like a month ago. And I finally got my own place by myself. But even with the pandemic and you know, that happened like five or six months after I moved here. So perfect timing, but even still, it has been such an amazing experience. I love living in Brooklyn. It feels like this is where I should have been living for a very long time. Um, and I think one of the coolest things is being able to just like walk outside and see people who look like me everywhere and just have so much diversity. And there's so many cool experiences and being in New York in general has just opened up a lot of doors for me. I think um, being able to like network with people in person, it's helped my writing career tremendously um, in ways that I don't know would have happened if I was at home and if I had never moved. And I wonder if you ever think about this less, but I oftentimes think about if I hadn't moved, would things have unfolded the same way that they have. And I don't know, maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have, but I just think a lot of doors opened up for me. And I think I had a lot of more like creative energy and just like a different outlook when I was in a new environment and a new place away from things that were super familiar. Um, and it has just been really, really amazing. Uh, I, it's been really beautiful to watch you in that transition and just like blossom and, and flourish in this new environment. And I have definitely had similar thoughts because I think I moved to LA at the same time that you moved to New mm -hmm. York, though it was right around that same time period. And so I can relate to a lot of that. And I get a lot of people asking about leaving your hometown and that experience, which is why I wanted to make sure we shared your perspective on that, because it's scary. It can be really scary to leave a place that you're super comfortable and you have that safety net and your people are there and you know what to expect. Even if you're not happy, sometimes just knowing, just being familiar <laughs> still feels better than potentially the idea of going somewhere else and having it be a disaster. 100%. Like again, and like, I think moving from the Midwest to a place like Brooklyn, where like I, I didn't have a car here. So I'm taking the subway and the train everywhere. Like I love this place, but it is inherently less convenient than other places. Right. So <laughs> Um, and just like having to like navigate all these different things and like different environments and just, yeah, everything feels unfamiliar. And there is something to be said about running back to things that are comfortable and familiar, even when they don't, aren't like maybe the best, because it's like, at least I know what to expect. It might not be great, but I know what to expect. Um, and so and also meeting new people and having a new community and not being able to like, see your family as much like all of those things are huge considerations when you move to a different place and also for me it was also once I got here I was like oh I can handle this by myself I can do this and I think especially because I had been in a long-term relationship for so long um and I think by default I relied on my partner for just like a lot of things like and, and I had like a really great partner so he took care of a lot of things for me and so then I got here and I was like oh my god I have to pay my own bills now like I have to like do I have to figure these things out all by myself and like so many of the things that my ex used to just like take care from take care of for me because he loved me I'm like oh shit now I have to do these things and so I think for me it also was like you got this like you can handle this everything's fine like you're a big girl and again I'm 35 y'all now so I was like not young when I did this I was like 33 at the time but it was still like a completely different like world for me but also I'm like duh this is where I'm supposed to be and it's been so wonderful yeah. And when you have those experiences, 
can be really empowering too. We're like, oh yeah, I do got this. I haven't had to do this before, but I got it. I got it now. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say one last thing too. I think the other part that was really scary and I think can sometimes be scary for people is like thinking about the financial aspect of moving to a new city, especially if, you know, you move to LA, I moved to New York. Those are like the most expensive cities in the yes. US, right? And so it's also thinking about that. And again, that's been an exercise in me and trusting myself and trusting and the universe has showed up for me over and over again. And it's been totally fine. But yeah, that was definitely something I considered um, when I was moving here. For sure. I had a very similar experience where living in, I mean, I didn't even have enough money to live in Seattle, which Seattle is also very expensive. But once I got to the point where I was like, okay, I could cover my basic needs in this new city, taking that leap, I've just been provided for over and over. Now I'm not telling anybody to go buck wild and move to an expensive city if you don't have, you know, a job or, but I'm saying if you are at a point where like your basic needs can be taken care of, it, it could be worth, you know, maybe seeing, seeing what that could look like for you. If it's something you're considering. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. And I, again, I'm always like the same. I would never tell someone just like, you know what, just jump and see what happens. Mm-mm. You got to think no. realistically, like, can I eat? That's important. Right. Yes. Um, but I remember too, like when I first moved here, there were some things like I was being really conscientious about money. And like, again, things were so much more expensive. This is for perspective. Again, Wisconsin's very reasonable place to live. So this is probably not most people's listening to this experience, but my ex and I, our rent for like a, uh, like a con, like a townhouse was like with an attached garage and a washer and dryer in it. A beautiful space was like $900. Okay. Oh right. So then I moved here and I moved in with a roommate and my half of the rent for this like Cracker Jack box was like 1200. I was already like, what is happening? Like, this makes no sense. And that's um, cheap. <laughs> and that was cheap. Right. And I was like, what is this? Um, but again, it was just like, trusting that I could figure this out. So all that to say, like at the beginning, I was being very conscientious of things. Like I wasn't getting my nails done. Like, you know, when I first moved here, I was being more like, what do I, what are the things that are a necessity? And what are the things that I just are more of the luxury items in my life? And I cut those things out for a while and now I can do them again. But also I realized I was totally fine without some of the things that I was just used to having in my life. And it was like a trade-off that I was willing to make while I needed to do it. Mm, that's, I love that, that you shared that. I think for anybody who's maybe considering a, a big move or that change, it could be really good to just reflect on what the trade-offs are and, and determine, you know, if that's something you're interested in, if it's not, there's no right or wrong answer, but something good to consider while you're making that decision. Yeah. So I'd love to, we've touched on it just now a little bit, but I would love to talk a little bit about your career transitions as well, because I think three years ago, you were still at your like full-time job, weren't you? No, I had left by you? then. Okay. Yep. I had left by then. So I, um, I worked a full-time job for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> Actually I, I started like, when I think back about the past two, like I did everything like they tell you to do. So I got a job right out of college. It was mm-hmm. two weeks after I graduated. I started working at this company. I got married like a few months after that. And I had the same job for 10 years Um, and again, I never really intended to stay that long, but I kept getting promoted. And then by the time I was like, you know, late twenties, I was like making six figures. I was in a management role. I was like, okay, this is it. Um, but anyways, by the time in 2018, I had quit my job. I left my job in 
August of 2018. So actually it was just a few months before mm-hmm. we did this podcast is when I had left my corporate job. Um, and I had been working my um, corporate job and on the side, I was doing fitness and like a little bit of writing, but mostly just the fitness coaching and doing like launching do it yourself programs. And so I think when we recorded, I was probably doing mainly that and maybe mm-hmm. starting to branch a little bit into writing, mm-hmm. um, which has been a passion of mine for a long time. I just wasn't doing it. Um, and so now three, three years later, I'm doing no fitness anymore and I'm just writing and speaking full time. So again, it's like, you know, things just change so much. And it's really interesting because I, I don't know if I've ever told the story, but I did a, we have a friend, um, Sharon wholehearted coaching and I had she's been on the pod. They should know her. <laughs> that you, you should know her. She's been on the pod. Um, before I moved to New York, actually one time I came out here for a one day event, she had like a retreat for women of color. And we did this like visualization exercise for like, it was like a 20 or 30 minute exercise that she led us through. And I had this very, very vivid visualization and when I get like, when we were done, I was like, wow, that was so weird because a couple things, number one, in the visual visualization, I was living in New York. I was a full-time writer. And then the, the part that I found weird about it is that I was single. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I'm married. <laughs> and so now it is wild, but I live in New York. I'm literally a full-time writer and I am single. And so it is wild to think that that happened, I think probably, I think that visualization probably was in 2018. And three years later, I'm literally doing the thing that I was having a visualization about. Um, and it's wild. And also like, I'm so grateful that I get to be a, like, I never would imagine that I'd be writing full time. And I remember like when I was a kid, I loved reading and writing. Like when I was nine, 10, 11, 12, you would find me at the library getting books to read and writing stories. And I'd write all these stories and I was like, I'm gonna be a writer when I grow up. Um, and I was like in some poetry contests and I was like in eighth grade, seventh grade. And I was like, really well, I did really well. Mm-hmm. And then I think I got to college and I was like, well, people aren't writers for a living. Like you can't make money being a writer. And so I was just like, let's do the practical thing. And so now to be able to, actually be doing that is like mind-blowing and also like the most exciting thing that I think has come out of like all of the changes over the last three years. Oh, absolutely. That idea that things that are more creative or something like writing is not practical is so hard. I think that that conditioning, we've all got got. Yes. With that conditioning, which is why I think it's so beautiful that you are in a space now where you are a full-time writer and it is feasible and it is realistic because you're doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. And I think one of the cool things for me is I think that, you know, I had that visualization and then I didn't be like, okay, I'm going to go set about figuring out how to do it. Like, I was just like, okay, that happened. I don't know. That's weird, whatever. And then I just kept doing like what I was doing. And like, you know, I started, you know, getting opportunities to write for different magazines and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, and like a little bit more would happen. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I don't ever think I was just like putting any pressure on myself to like make the shift. I was never like, oh yeah, I need to be a full-time writer. It just like kind of slowly morphed into that. And then um, I was able to get like a really amazing book deal. And I was like, oh my gosh, like now I in fact am. And even before I got the book deal, I was pretty much writing full time. 
but I was just like, wow, now I'm actually doing this thing. And I think it's because I didn't put any pressure on it. And because I was just like, I'm open to whatever the universe brings my way, which has been uh, an exercise in just trust really. But also it's opened up so many other opportunities that, you know, I never thought I'd have, you know, I've been talking a lot about writing, but the other thing that I do a lot is like consulting around diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. and wellness spaces. And again, that has happened very organically. And now I've, I've gotten to talk like companies like Under Armour and Google, like again, things that I never imagined for myself. And I think it's just because I've always been open to whatever the next opportunity is and just trusted that things were going to happen the way they were supposed to happen. And I think because I didn't put any pressure on anything is the reason that it's been quote unquote, an easy transition, even though it's like five years of work in the making. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that's why it's been like such a beautiful experience. Yeah. So for those, I mean, Chrissy, I think you are one of the wildest manifestors I've (laughs) (laughs) ever seen. So for those of you who may not know Chrissy, just may not know just how like gifted of a manifester that she is. And I I think a big part of that is absolutely through Sharin's teachings. And I know I've had the same experience, but it is, is amazing to see those things come through for you. Thank you. I mean, honestly, I don't think I even realized how big of a manifester I was until like the last couple of years. Um, and again, I think, you know, manifestation is one of those things that we hear like thrown around a lot. And I, I really think that one of the most powerful parts about my ability to manifest so much is my ability to let go of the needed outcome and just mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I'm putting this out into the universe. And it's going to happen in perfect timing. I don't need to check on it. I don't need to like remind the universe of what I said. I just believe that it's going to happen in the right time in the right way. And literally every single thing that I said I wanted has happened in a way that I could never have imagined, even especially with the book deal like that. I could have never planned for it to happen that way. And so I think it's so important instead of like trying to make things happen for yourself, like, yes, do the work and do what you think you're supposed to do every day. But I've never been committed to like, okay, I want to write a book. Let me go figure out how to do that. I'm like, no, I want to write a book. And when it's supposed to happen, the universe is going to like, let it happen for me. And I know that sounds a little whimsical, but really I think my non-attachment has been, has served me. So, and that might just be my Sagittarius spirit. That's like, whatever, we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, it's really served me really well. For sure. I, I, I think that's something that I've learned a lot from you because I, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, try to control everything. It's like, yeah, we put it out there and then we want to micromanage every step of the way. Yes. (laughs) Often just does not work that way. And I think you do a really good job of not trying to control things when they're on the way. Which is hard, by the way. Like, I would never say that that's easy. Um, I've just gotten really good at being like, all right. And also, because I think that when we try to control things, like you can maybe even get that thing to happen, right? But it's like a disallowing so many other possibilities that could have been easier or more beneficial for you or just like so much more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. And I just think that my imagination is not even like, big enough to think about all the possibilities. And so I'm like, why limit myself? Something way better could be happening for me. Oh, 100%. 100%. I've, yeah, I cannot agree more. And I've had so many, so many realizations that way. I mean, even, I know we had talked about relocating quite a bit, but for me, even moving to LA was totally one of those things where I thought I was going to have to like 
pound the pavement and search for jobs and do all of this, you know, crazy stuff to get to move down here. And then it ended up being like a month before my lease ended in Seattle, I got a remote job and then had a friend who was looking for a roommate. And it was the easiest thing. Didn't have to look for a job. Didn't have to look for a place. It just happened way easier. Exactly. And like, let it just be easy. Right. Cause I think it's when it's easy, it's so much more fun too. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm tired of things being hard. I think Same. we all are. We're like, no. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. No more things being hard. <laughs> So I also want to talk about the book deal. Let's talk about the book yes. deal. I mean, it's, you know, we, the book won't, won't be out yet by the time the, the podcast is, is airing, obviously, because <laughs> no, it's, it's a while, um, yeah. <laughs> but I would love for you to share the, the story with our listeners of just how that came to be. Cause it's such a great, yes. such a great story. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So, um, a couple of things. Number one, I would say earlier on in the pandemic, I had a lot of time. We all had a lot of time in our hands, I think. And so I was uh, like reading a book. Um, it was just about like manifestation kind of, but one of the things was like this idea of like putting an order out to the universe. And like, you know, when you're at a restaurant and you put an order in, you like, just trust that the food is going to come. You don't keep checking on it. I mean, like I have before when it's taking a really long time, but generally speaking, right. You trust that, <laughs> The waitress, the server got your order. They're going to bring it back when it's time. Okay. So anyway, it was this whole idea about writing down in a, like an exercise of writing down like four or five things that you want, like putting your universe, your order into the universe and, you know, just wait for it to happen. So I did that. And two things I wrote down was one of them was like a large sum of money that I wanted to make. And the second one was a book deal. There's like some other things, but one of the other thing that I'm going to talk about was the book deal. And so first of all, I would just like to say that the large sum of money came within like 90 days. And y'all, this was like so much, like a large sum in that, like, there's no way I could have done this on my own. And so that happened within 90 days. And I was like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. And so then the book deal was still out there. And like, I was just like, whatever will happen when it happens. And so uh, I think it was like later in 2020, I wrote an article for Shape about um, what it's like to be a black body positive fitness trainer. And I really just interviewed other black women that are body positive trainers. Um, and then the article kind of went viral on the internet. It was like, oh, that's cool. Cause I think it was a really important article and a really important topic. Um, and then the Today Show reached out to me and they were like, oh my gosh, we saw your article. Like, would you like to come on and talk about it? And I'm like, of course, <laughs> um, of course it was virtual again, cause it was during the pandemic. Um, and I got to bring on one of the other trainers that I interviewed and we had like this really great discussion. It was really well done. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And so then like maybe two weeks after that, I got this random email and it was like from some publisher and it was like, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? Essentially it was a very casual email and me being me. I'm like, Oh, this is a joke. Like nobody emails you questions like this. But so I showed one of my friends and, and she's like, I don't know. I don't think it's a joke. You should have a call with them. I'm like, all right. So anyways, I took this call with this publisher and it was really like, yeah, we saw you on the Today Show and we like are, we're always looking for people to write about topics in different ways. And again, a lot of the work I do around body liberation is like intersections of like body image, but also race and identity and all these different ways to examine these things. And so we had this conversation. I kind of told this man like what I was interested in writing about. And he's like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Can you send me a follow-up email with a few paragraphs and I'm going to pitch it to our sales team. And I was like, I don't know anything about publishing. This seems odd, but like maybe this is how this all works. I don't really know. So I sent him the email 
And at the same time, I reached out to a friend of mine um, who has published with a publisher and self-published. And I just was like, hey, can I pay you for some time? I want to run this by you. And so I did, I got on the phone with her and I explained what happened. And she's like, oh my God, this is really good. And also you need an agent. And I'm like, well, how does one get an agent? Like, you know, it's not like you don't have one in my back pocket. Don't have an agent. Um, (laughs) And also like agents are like, you know, they don't, they only make money if you sell a book. So it's not like they'll just be anybody's gonna be like, yeah, I'll be your agent. And she was like, I know someone, I don't know if they'll be interested, but I can connect you. So anyway, she connected me. I had this wonderful conversation with this agent and me being me, I was like, sure, let's work together. Like I was familiar with some other people she worked with. She seemed great. So anyways, work together. I introduced um, my agent to the publisher and like within the next day, my, the publisher came back with an offer and um, it was a pretty decent offer for a person who's never written a book before. Um, but my agent was like, listen, this is a decent deal. She's like, and you could take it if you want to. She's like, but I know publishing because I've done this for a long time. She's like, you don't even have a book proposal. Like you sent them a couple paragraphs. And I think that if they're willing to give you this money, you could get a lot more if you like do the whole thing. So I'm like, okay, sure. I trust you. So I turned the, the, the offer down. And also when I turned it down, I had like such peace about it. I wasn't yeah. like, oh, I'm walking away from this money to do the right thing. I was like, nah, I, it's like something better is going to happen. I had like mm-hmm. so much peace about saying no to that. So I went back to the drawing board, hired someone to work with me writing a, a book proposal, which ends up being like a hundred page document almost. I did not know that. So put that together. And then we went to sell the book and the feedback was like, I was blown out the water. Like I couldn't even believe it. And so I ended up, I have to tell that we had like all the meetings were virtual again, pandemic. And there's this one publisher and I was like, got on the call and I was I had no idea what to expect. And there was like five people on the call, which was like a lot. And I was like, wow, it's like a lot of people. And then they're like, hey, we have a special guest for you. And I'm like, okay. And then Phoebe <laughs> Robinson from Two Dope Queens hops on the call. And she's like, hey, Chrissy, I read your proposal. I love it. And I was like, what? I, and I had no chill. Like, I'm not like one of those cool people. I like had a total fangirl moment. <laughs> I like freaked out, but it was so cool. And um, not just because he became to the call, but but their whole team. I was just like, oh my God, that's the publisher I want to work with. I really hope they make me an offer. Um, And so anyways, when all was said and done, I ended up signing with Penguin Random House um, with Tiny Reparations, which is an imprint run by Phoebe Robinson, which is like a dream publisher for me. And the coolest part of the story for me, well, not the coolest, one of the cool parts about the story (laughs) is that when I ended up publishing with them or signing with them, that offer was five, more than five times what the original people that I said no to were. And I was like, wow, this is just so serendipitous. Um, And it's just to be publishing with a black woman that I really admire and like think so much of is just so amazing. So it's really, it was really, really cool. And again, I couldn't have made that story up, right? Like when I wrote this article for Shape that by the way, didn't pay that much. There's no way I could have been like, oh, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. This is going to lead you to this person. And then you're going to end up with this book. Like, I never could have imagined that. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I love that story so much. And it's such a good testament to sometimes letting things go so that something better and more aligned can come to you. Listen, I go back to that story all the time when I be dating these people that are raggedy and I'd be like, listen, remember Christy, let go of this nonsense or something better to come along. Always. It applies in all contexts, especially that one, honestly. Yes. 
But I really, I remember, I think you told me that story, I think when you were here a couple right. months ago and I was like, bookmark, we need to, we need to put this, <laughs> we need everybody to hear this, this story. Cause it's just such a testament to, um, listening to your gut and just letting things unfold for you in such a beautiful way. And I'm so excited for you. Thank you. And I really, I do, I made a joke about the letting things go, but that's actually really, really important is like saying no to something that sounds like an okay opportunity. Like it sounds okay, but like, it just doesn't feel like it's the thing. Yeah. And um, I think especially as black women, that can feel really hard to do sometimes, I think, because it's like, we sometimes historically haven't been given the opportunities, right? And so to say no to an okay opportunity when you don't know for sure, there's nothing promised or guaranteed, it can be really challenging. And I was actually listening, so Phoebe has a new book out um, and I was listening to it on audio today. And she was talking about wanting to have like her own TV show and like the doors were like just not working out for her and how um, ABC came to her with this opportunity to be an actress on a pilot show, like with no audition. And she was like, that just doesn't happen. And she was like, but I just felt like, ah, it's not really what I want. Right. Like, I really want to have the creative ability to do my own thing and like saying no to that. And then, you know, a couple months later being able to do exactly the sh thing she wanted to do. And it's like, that's just, again, such a reminder that sometimes we have to say no to the thing that just feels okay. Like it could do, but it's not what you really want. Um, and just believing that like the right thing is coming when it's supposed to come. 100%. 100%, which can apply to so many things. It can apply to jobs, cities, places, events, dating, like you mentioned, it all contexts. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Oh my goodness. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've talked a lot about just your life shifting in so many beautiful ways and so many of your dreams coming true, which is like just so inspiring and just the most beautiful thing while you were navigating those situations did you experience doubt in any of those moments and how did you continue on when you did always doubt like so much doubt um and I think the idea you know so often we talk about you know, realizing your dreams or just like changing course and direction. But I don't think we talk about enough, like how hard those things are actually, right? And how much doubt you actually do experience every, sometimes every step of the way. I remember even when I left my corporate job, I was like, wow, I'm leaving something that feels very, I was miserable there, but it felt very secure, right? And like, I knew how much money I was going to make all the time. I had like health insurance, like, it was all these things. I had vacation days, right? Like, and it was back to that same thing. It's like, yes, it's miserable, but it's miserable that I know and I'm familiar with. And so from leaving my job to moving to leaving a long-term partnership with a person that was really great, but just wasn't the right thing. So much doubt and so many moments of like, oh, did I do the right thing? Um, and then I think you can get really caught up in like wanting to run back to what's familiar, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, familiarity is really comfortable. And when, especially when you find yourself in a moment of doubt or you find yourself feeling unsure about the future or just in a down moment, you're like, oh, you know what? I can just go back to where I was before because that just, you, you start longing for that comfort and that familiarity. Um, and so I would be remiss if I didn't say that there has been so many moments of doubt along the way. 
And I think in those moments, I just have to reflect on all the things that are also have gone right, are going right. Um, and also just like hold a lot of com- self-compassion and grace for the fact that I'm feeling a lot of doubt right now, or I'm feeling a lot of like um, sadness even or grief. Right. Um, and even again, like leaving a relationship is still grief, even if it was the right decision for you, even if it was the best thing, there's still that grief that you experience. And so I think allowing myself to just feel all the things and then also reminding myself of the things that have gone right or the things that are um, the positive things that are happening and reminding myself when, and I think there's another thing is like, at every new level, so to speak, there's like a new level of imposter syndrome that comes up for mm-hmm. you, right? Like yeah. every room you find yourself in, you're like, wow, this is so great. And also, oh my gosh, do I belong here? Can I do this? Like, can I write a book, right? Like all of the, it's like, so the other thing with manifestation I found is like, you say, I want all these things and you get them. You're like, oh shit, now I have all these things, yeah. <laughs> right? And that comes with a lot of doubt too. And just like, you have to remind yourself that like, again, the universe brought this to you because you can handle it. You're prepared for this. You already, you have everything that you need already within you. And so I remind myself of that all the time, like literally all the time. Um, and just remembering, like, I'm prepared for this moment. I didn't get here by accident. It's not a mistake, right? Yes. No one just like accidentally asked you to come do this thing, right? Like you are here because you deserve to be here and because the work you're doing is important and valid and like you have everything you need. Um, And so always reminding myself of that all the time. Thank you for that. I think, I think we all needed to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) I needed it too. That's what I'm I'm saying to myself as well. I'm like, honestly, I'm always saying it to myself Um, because I think that especially again, I always go back to being a black woman, but I, it's obviously a big part of my identity, but (laughs) I think that, you know, there's this idea or this pressure to always have to keep proving ourselves, right. That we have, is it for ourselves or that we think we have to prove to other people that I know what I'm talking about. I deserve to be here. Like, and so it's like, I do more and I'm gonna do it better. And I'm gonna do even more to keep trying to like make yourself like make it known that you belong in those spaces. And so I'm trying to work for me right now. I'm working on letting go of that idea that I need to continue to prove myself to anybody. Right. Because like, um, my work is awesome. I know that already. So I don't need to prove that to anyone, nor do I need to keep proving it to myself. Right. And that none of this was a mistake or an accident. I haven't like pulling the wool over everybody's eyes and somehow gotten here by, you know, sheer accident. Like that's not what's happening. Um, and so I think it's just a practice that I have to stay in all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That part about not having to prove it to yourself is huge because I think, that's a big part of it. That's a really big part of it. And, and not believing that the, the good things that are happening to us are real or that, you know, eventually the other shoe is going to drop. Yes. (laughs) Just that, that belief of we are here. It's okay to be here is huge. So good. (laughs) Thank you. So we've talked a lot about dreaming big, where that has led you, which is so beautiful. And Also, your voice is a very important one in the body positive and body liberation space. And so I would love to talk about that as well. 
especially because one of the other big themes of this um, kind of current series on the podcast is around taking our power back. And when I was reflecting on what taking our power back looks like, I think for a lot of people that can mean feeling at home and comfortable and liberated within their bodies. And because of a lot of the conditioning that we have in the society we live in, that is unfortunately so much harder than it needs to be. And I would love to really talk about body liberation, what that means to you, how that has evolved over time. Because I know in our last episode, we talked a little bit more about that. And at that time, it was more of a kind of fitness conversation. So I think that was the space we were both in. And now <laughs> I think we've also talked about that where we're like, oh yeah, I forgot that people still do that. Or like that diet culture. <laughs> oh yeah. Like people, people are still there. You know, once you get to a certain point where you're outside of it, you, you can kind of forget. Um, so I would love to talk a little bit more about what body liberation looks like and feels like for you now. Yes, it has shifted a lot over the years. Um, and so I think, you know, when I think about the work that I do, the reason I call it body liberation versus body positive is because unfortunately, so much of the body positive space has really been co-opted by thinner bodies, straight body, white women. Um, and it's been really come, it's become really hyper-focused on like loving yourself and like loving your body. Um, which again, I want all of us to like unapologetically love our bodies, but also I think when I think about body liberation, um, it's so much more than loving your body, right? It's about recognizing that your essence and your core, there's so much more than your body, right? Your body is just the thing that allows you to have this human experience. And so that's why I talk about liberation because like, what does actual freedom in our bodies look like, right? What does it mean to really feel at home and to feel at peace and to feel comfortable in our own skin? Um, and not only that, when we're thinking about, um, and you touched on this a little bit, right? Your ability to love yourself and why that's so difficult. If we're not taking, you know, looking through the lens of social justice, and if we're not saying, why is it so hard for people in black bodies and trans bodies and fat bodies and disabled bodies, if we're not talking about systems of oppression, right, and how we can dismantle actual systems of oppression that make it hard for people to be able to do that, then I don't think we're doing the work of liberation, right? And the reality is, like, you cannot love your body out of systemic discrimination, right? Yes. And so I think this hyper-focus on the body positivity space about just loving yourself, yes, like, yes. And also, you know, it doesn't matter how much you love yourself, that is not going to change the fact that you are discriminated against in the world because of your body, right? And so, again, if we're not really focusing on how are we actually dismantling these systems of oppression, how are we actually working to change the narrative, so that for us, but also for future generations. So it isn't so difficult for people to just exist in their bodies and feel safe and to feel seen and to feel celebrated. Like that has to also be a part of the conversation. And when we are not having that conversation, I like, we're just missing the point. We're just trying to find bandages to, to like, to heal our wounds instead of saying what's causing these wounds. And so body liberation is about all of those things. It's about finding our own personal liberation and freedom in our bodies. And then also saying, okay, now that I'm bringing up all this energy, because when we are stuck in diet culture and when we're like hyper-focused on our bodies, it sucks all of our energy. It sucks yes. all of our ability to create, to think creatively. And once we give that back to ourselves, we can say, okay, now what do I want to do? What do I want to create in this world? What is the magic that I was meant to put here? And then also, how can I take this extra energy and how can we collectively work towards dismantling oppression so that we have collective liberation, right? And then 
the words of Audre Lorde, which I'm going to paraphrase. Um, none of us are, none of us are unfree. None of us are free. Well, any of us are unfree, even when our, our chains are different. Right. And so our liberation, whether we recognize it or not is so bound in each other. And so there is no personal liberation without collective liberation. And so for me, that's like what body liberation is all about. Like, how are we finding that space to actually exist in our bodies peacefully, which is so important because we live in a society that's hyper-focused on our bodies and our looks and would really have us believe that it's the most important thing about us, right? And that our, that our bodies are the measure of our worth. And that is so untrue. And so I want people to recognize that for themselves. And then I also want to say, how can we just change the narrative so that all of us can be free and so we can live truly liberated lives in our bodies and just in general? Ugh. Yes, yes, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Um, but, so I'm really honored to be able to write a book about that and to go into like, a, again, much deeper explanation than I'm doing here. Um, and, um, I just really hope that it's going to have an Im- positive impact on the reader. Um, and that would make my little heart very happy. <laughs> oh my gosh. It will without a doubt. And it's, it's interesting that you talk about that dynamic between kind of what we do and experience as individuals versus, Uh, the collective, collective liberation and those structures that make that liberation so hard because we've actually had that come up um, in a couple of episodes of this series so far is that we are trying to put all of this pressure on ourselves to either, you know, love the oppression out of ourselves or we see whether it is, you know, inequality or sustainability, all of these things as some sort of personal fault if, if our individual actions can't counteract them when it's like really there are systems upon systems that are creating engines of harm that we are all a part of. So yes, like our individual actions, how we feel, those things, it's not that they don't matter, but they're not necessarily a match for a whole system. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're correct. And like, there's so many different things that we can apply that to. It's like white supremacy is really huge and it's really overarching and it has created so much um, peril in so many different areas of our lives. And I think that unfortunately, yes, it becomes an exercise of us trying to say, okay, how can I personally deal with X, Y, and Z. And yes, that's important, but also that puts so much pressure on us as individuals, right? To love ourselves into whatever, or to fix ourselves into whatever, to do all these things on individual level when these aren't individual problems that we created, right? And so it's like, yes. And also let's talk about how are we dismantling systemic issues so that we can all live better lives in all areas of our lives. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think with, with body liberation, I feel very hopeful, even that conversations like this are, are happening now that even, you know, five years ago were definitely happening, but just not on a, as big of a scale. I don't think as many people had that awareness and as more time goes on and more and more people become aware and more and more people just don't decide not to buy into those systems such as diet culture, right? I think that's, that's one where it is a big overarching system that people are 
beginning to reject. And I'm really hopeful that in the coming years, we will start to see some real shifts there. And honestly, I think we have seen some shifts in how the fitness and wellness industries have responded and they're very sneaky and they're crafty and they still, they still try to package diet culture in different ways, but they're doing that because they realize that people are no longer buying into it the same way as they used to. And so seeing some of those shifts happen, I'm really hopeful that we will eventually get to a space where we are more liberated. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the main reasons that, you know, although I'm not like coaching and training in fitness anymore, that's one of the reasons I am very passionate about doing work in the fitness and wellness space in terms of like consultation and like trying to move the marker in terms of like uh, anti-racism and diversity inclusion is because like that stuff is so important. Like changing the narrative and the fit, the landscape of the fitness industry is so, so important because again, movement practices are a huge part of so many people's lives and should bring us joy and fulfillment. And so often it's not a steeped in diet culture and um, trying to like manipulate and change and shrink our bodies. And so it is so important that we keep having those conversations. And I agree. Like, I think that we're starting to see a shift in ways that I didn't see four or five years ago, for sure. Um, and we still have a so long way to go. And so I just, I'm so passionate about continuing to move the needle in ways that I can um, because it matters so, so much. Absolutely. Ugh, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so Chrissy, before we wrap up today, uh, I would love to hear just what taking care of yourself is, is looking like for you. Like, how are you pouring into yourself currently? You have caught me at a very interesting time less. Um, <laughs> Actually, I think I've recently, um, recently meaning the last two or three days, <laughs> have really started to think really um, intentionally about how I can do that better. Um, you know, I've talked about a lot of things here that I've been working on. There's a lot of projects I'm working on that I haven't shared here, which all really exciting, wonderful projects. And also I'm like realizing how overwhelming it can be and how drained and burned out I've been feeling in ways that I, I, again, those boxes, putting in little boxes and being like, I can keep doing it. I can do it all. I can do everything. Um, and really coming to a place where I was like, maybe I actually really have to reevaluate, um, how I'm doing things and how I'm taking care of myself so that I do it in ways that's actually sustainable. Um, and so, you know, just this week, I've really been like, okay, what are the things I really need to do for myself? What are the things that, um, I can take off my plate or, um, at least take some of the mental energy away so that I don't feel so overwhelmed. Um, so this is like day three, but I'm really proud of it. And day three of this is, you know, I like work for a couple hours and like, okay, I'm going to go take a 20 minute walk now. And so yesterday I took three 20 minute walks. I felt really great about that. Um, again, that's like easy, gentle movement, which is what I can handle right now. Um, I also like love working out, but I found that I, I wasn't working with like a trainer. I was just like doing my own thing, which I'm capable of doing my own thing, but I'm also recognizing that it's like getting put off or I don't have like the mental energy to think about what I'm going to do. So I was like, you know what I could do, I could reach out to a trainer and I could work with a trainer twice a week. And so I just set that up. And so I'm like, cause I love movement and I love moving my body. I'm just like, let me actually prioritize what my body needs. So I feel well. Um, so that's just going to start next week. So that's exciting. Um, and then this week I've been really intentional about going to bed earlier. I'm like, mm. you are just going to go to bed 
And even if my brain's going, I'm like a little wired still. Um, I have been like taking CBD with melatonin before I go to bed and really being attentive about turning my devices off and my TV off at like 1030 so that I can like fall asleep by 11 o'clock, which is when I really want to be in bed. Um, and so again, these are all very new practices that things I always knew I need to be doing. And a lot of times I was doing, but just like haven't been prioritizing. And then the last thing that I've really gotten back to, which has always been really important for me, but the last couple of months I've just totally got away from it is my morning routine, which is like meditation, journaling, um, a gratitude practice. Like that is, was my go-to like every single day. And then I just got really busy and I, you know, like one day not doing it turns into two days, turns into two months. Yeah. And so I'm also back to like starting my mornings the way that I want to. Um, and again, this is like, a, always learning and I'm like, okay, showing myself compassion for the fact that I let myself get out of practice in terms of how I like to take care of myself. And now I'm doing things that will change that. And hopefully, allow me to just feel better on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I really appreciate your honesty and just saying like, I know the things that make me feel good. And I'm in a season of rededicating back to that. And you mentioned it's day three. And even if it were day one or just the day of realizing, Hey, I need to get back to that. I think it's also really important that we talk about those things on the outside. Maybe if someone follows you on Instagram, it could be easy to say like, Oh, Chrissy has it all together. And she does everything perfectly. And we all have these seasons of maybe we fall off a little bit, or maybe we need to rededicate ourselves to our practices and that's okay. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, and I think like, it's so important that we talk about that sometime because again, Instagram, whether we try to make it that way or not is the highlight reel. And so I don't share a lot about my everyday behind the scenes life. Cause it's really not really that interesting to be honest. <laughs> um, and also I never want to go to social media with like, Oh, woe is me. This is so hard. Like that's not ever my MO. And so but it's so true that like, sometimes we get this idea that like people just have it all together and they have it all figured out and they're like taking the best care of themselves. And like, and that's just like, not realistic um, to think that anybody is really living like that a hundred percent of the time um, because we're human. And that's what makes us like that shared humanity. And that like, we all have these struggles. We all go through things. That's what makes us human. And um, it's important to remember that. And it's important to remind yourself that it's okay for that to happen to you. Right. Like I had to be like, it's okay that you found yourself in this place, compassion, grace, all the things that you tell other people to show themselves. It's time for you to practice what you preach and show yourself that. Absolutely. 100%. And I think with that, and I find I tend to do it too, is we tend to romanticize other people's lives a little bit Mm -hmm. because the reality is nobody is available to post everything that they're doing in 20, in a 24 hour cycle on Instagram, nor should they be, I'm all for everybody starting to use it a little bit less, honestly, but it's impossible to show every aspect of everything that you're doing. And so I think for a lot of us, our brains and the absence of information tend to assume the positive, which it's not, that's not a bad thing. And I'm not saying that we should assume that people's lives are like worse than what we see, but there's a bit of romanticizing things that we simply don't know about. (laughs) We just don't know. We don't know what people are doing when they're not posting or whatever, or what's really happening in the behind the scenes. And so I've really challenged myself to just take the information I see as what it is and what I don't see. I just don't see, but I don't need to romanticize it or compare what they're doing to what I'm doing or whatever. It's a work in progress. I 100% agree. Totally. Yeah. 
So Chrissy, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. As always, it was a pleasure to have you. How can our audience keep in touch with you? How can we stay in the loop about updates for the book? How can we continue to support you? Yes. Thank you for having me. This is like a lovely conversation. Um, and I always love talking to you, but I'm just like so grateful that I get to be back on the show again. Um, but you can keep up with me. I'm most active on Instagram, which is I am Chrissy King. Um, I have a newsletter, which has been MIA for a very long time, but it's actually coming back now. So I'd love to have you on my newsletter. I think that, um, if one thing Instagram has taught me is that it's like, we don't, I mean, I already knew this, but we don't own it. So I'm being more intentional about connecting with people outside of Instagram. So definitely join my newsletter. Um, and you can keep up with me there. I'd be honored to have you. And it's actually coming back in a real and meaningful way. Um, and then my website is chrissyking.com. Perfect. We will have all of that linked in the show notes to make it super easy for everyone to stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Oh my goodness. It was so good having you. I don't know about you, but Chrissy inspired the heck out of me in that conversation. She really, really did. And I so appreciate her coming back on the show and sharing the continuation of her story with us. So make sure you head to the show notes, make sure you are following Chrissy on Instagram and checking out her newsletter so that you can stay up to date and in the know about her upcoming book. Huge thanks to our sponsors for today's episodes. We will also have all of their information along with discount codes and links hooking you up in the show notes. So you can always check that out. Also at balancedblackgirl.com, we have expanded show notes with more highlights, more information, more info about our sponsors. So if you're ever in doubt about something that we mentioned in the podcast, I guarantee you it's at balancedblackgirl.com. You should check it out. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be wrapping up our Dreaming Big and Taking Up Space series. It's going to be a solo episode with just me really talking about dreaming and the different ways that we can dream and tools to allow ourselves to lean into our dreams. So I hope you'll join me for next week's conversation as we close this thing on out. Have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next time.